0: Today we are going to start a little series. Uh, We're going to get back one day to Philippians because we still have to cover chapter 4. But I feel led to do this little series on the gospel. And um, it actually comes from a series of books, uh, a gospel for life series. And this particular little book is entitled The Gospel and Work. So I thought, well, rather than try to rewrite the title... Everything and I took information uh, from this book as well. Um, I found it uh, very encouraging and enlightening in the fact that um, many of our working hour, waking hours are working. Um, for those of us who spend 40-plus hours a week, um, our waking hours are spent working. And one of the quotes in the book says, "...the primary work of the church is the church at work." Beale Peel points out with prophetic clarity, he says, God calls every Christian to be a witness for him. So for most of us, our mission field is where we spend the bulk of our time, the workplace. And then he asks this question what would our churches look like if our members saw their primary gospel mission as the workplace they go to every day? And I know for some of you that work at James Valley, you're like, yeah. I'll be praying for them to come to Christ. You know, uh, you're working around Christians. Uh, for those of us who are in full-time Christian work, and I use that term interestingly enough because we are all in full-time Christian work, um, but when we're around Christians all the time. It's a little more challenging. I had a lot more opportunity when I worked secular jobs. The people you rub shoulders with, maybe you're a house mom, caring for your children, young children. You still go to the marketplace. You still go to the grocery store in various places. We have opportunity to rub shoulders with people who need the Lord. And so we all have contacts, and that's what I want us to be thinking about, is how God wants to use us to reach people through our work. And maybe your work is caring for your children. Maybe your work is you're retired, but you still do projects and things, and you go to the store and you go places and have the opportunity to impact people with the gospel. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That we are to work heartily for the Lord. Now, this whole idea of work is woven into creation itself. So work has been there since the beginning of mankind. When God brought Adam and Eve into the world, he told them to take loving care and stewardship of creation. They were to work. God gave them responsibilities to tend and care for the garden. He assigned them that work before sin entered the world. So work is not sinful. It was not a result of the curse. Work was there, initiated before the curse. However, the curse has affected work, and I'll talk about that in a moment. How are we as Christians, then, supposed to understand our work, our place in culture... And our engagement with people and our role in the body of Christ, the church. Work was ordained before the fall. Therefore, as God's image bearers, we should labor for the glory of God as we reflect God's nature. Bethany Jenkins says in the opening chapter, and I, I like this, she said, The thing that the Lord cares most about isn't who we marry, Or how many kids we have. It's not where we will live or what job we will take. Listen, but it isn't that the Lord doesn't care about the details of our lives. He does. It's just that the thing he cares about most isn't our circumstances. It's our affections. He wants us to grow in our love for him and others. Therefore, our spouse, our kids, our home, and our work are good... But they are not the ultimate. The ultimate is that we follow Jesus Christ. We have followed him out of darkness into light. We have followed him out of death into life. And that is our ultimate calling. And if we answer that calling, we will win in life. If we don't, we will lose. No matter how successful we are in our work. Once we have answered the call to follow Jesus, we will come to realize that the gospel changes everything, including our work. So let's take a moment and just remember, what is the gospel? The gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We were separated from God. We learned the good news that God in his great love and mercy has come to give us new life. So work is not the result of the fall. God made us to work, cultivating his creation. Back in Genesis chapter 1, If you want to open there to verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the Heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He gave us dominion. He gave us a place to work, creative stewardship over His creation. Creative because He has given us raw materials to work with, and also He has given us stewardship. He's given us authority to cultivate the world. God still owns the world, but He's given us authority. To cultivate the world. In this way, we are sub-creators, as J.R.R. Tolkien puts it, working under God's sovereignty and delight as a form of worship. So creation, work is woven into creation. However, I mentioned there's something that caused work to be marred, and that is the fall. Because of the fall our work has been marred with sin and that is filled with thorns and thistles according to Genesis 3:18. Thorns and thistles he says it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. Because of sin our understanding of work is distorted. Some people turn their worship into their work. In other words, they worship their work and it becomes a form of idolatry, a workaholism, which is an extreme on this hand. And on the other hand, there are people who are lazy and don't work at all. And God's saying we need to have that medium where we are worshiping God through our work, through what we do, through the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us. But because of sin, our understanding of work is distorted. Instead of seeing work as worship. We see it as a means of self-fulfillment and self-actualization. A way to make a name for ourselves. And that's what happened in Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11 verse 4, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. And their willingness to work for themselves, to do something for themselves, tainted god's glory because of their pride and their selfishness and their sinful brokenness and so now instead of serving one another in joy in our work many times people will compete with one another in jealousy we envy the success of others saying i deserve that promotion not them and all of a sudden we start jockeying for position and doing all these things rather than really enjoying. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about life is meaningless, but then it says that man is to enjoy and find great satisfaction in his work. I hope the job that God has called you to, you are finding great satisfaction and enjoyment in your work. That's what God longs for us to do, because if we do that, we are going to worship the Lord in our work, and in our worship, that will be a witness to the world of people that need Jesus. Adam, when sin came into the world, he said, don't blame me, blame the woman. Eve said, don't blame me, blame the serpent. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. So the fall has actually corrupted our view of work. We have creation, God created work, it's a good thing. The fall has corrupted it. Now we have to work with thorns and thistles. Farmers, sorry, but that's a result of the curse. God still blesses work, and we should still be involved in it. The third aspect of work we should think about is redemption. Through Christ, the work of redemption has begun in the world and in our hearts. He redeems our relationship with work because Jesus becomes the center of our affections. When our identity is in Christ and not work, then success does not go to our heads nor failure to our hearts. So redemption is another aspect and then the last aspect here is restoration. He tells us in Acts 3:21, he, meaning Jesus, must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. You see, we are living in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of God, he is trying to restore all things to himself. And how is he going to do that? He's trying to reconcile the world to himself. And how does he want to do that? Through us, the church. And where does the church work best? The church works best at work. Because that's where we spend our time. Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do. And I trust that as you're hearing this sermon this morning, you will be thinking about some names And pictures of faces of people you rub shoulders with who are lost that you have contact with, regular contact, who don't know Jesus and God's wanting to use you through your work to reach them with the gospel. When I was a bread salesman, one of my largest accounts had a sale one day. We were selling our giant white loaf of bread. And on Friday night, I, I realized through the week I was running short. What you have to do as a bread salesman, you have to actually put your order in about four days in advance. So if a snowstorm comes or something happens, uh, you can be out of luck because you got to order four days in advance. They got to bake it, they got to ship it to you, you got to get it loaded on your truck out to the stores. So it's a, it's a dilemma sometimes to guess how much product you actually need. And I was running short of sale bread. And so on Friday night, I ran out of that sale bread and the manager was not happy with me. I came in on Saturday morning, I delivered, made my deliveries, I came back in the afternoon, usually in the afternoon at your large account, you put more bread in the store and you put it on a rack in the back room and then later you pull it out and you put more product up in, in the afternoon. Well, I did that. I came back Saturday afternoon and expecting to unload the rest of my truck and take the product in only to hear the manager say, "Um, you can't do that. He said, you ran out of product early last night. And he asked me, he said, did you have a breakdown in the bakery? And I said, no, we didn't. I said, I ran short. I knew I was short. I tried to get extra product from some of the other salesmen. They didn't have it. They were running short, so I was short. He asked me again as we talked. He said, did you have a breakdown in the bakery. I said, no, we didn't. I said, I ran short of product, and I explained it again, and after I said it the second time, he said, I know. We called. We called the bakery and asked. So here, he was testing me, trying to catch me in a lie. And how do we promote the gospel? We tell the truth. We're people of integrity and how God can use that. What was ironic about that whole story is about 2 years later after I left the company I went back and visited some of the salesmen I worked with. And uh, of course uh, he he made us bring product up on Sunday morning. My manager had to do that. He wasn't happy. And so that kind of stuck in my manager's mind that he had to do that on a Sunday morning. So I went back 2 years later. He said, "Roy, do you remember that manager that wouldn't let you bring product in Saturday afternoon? Had to go up." Son-? I said, "Yeah, I do." He said, well, ironically enough, he was hauled out of the store in handcuffs for clipping money from the hot dog stand out in front of the store. And he lost his job. And so the point is, our integrity matters when it comes to the gospel and work. God wants us to be men and women of integrity in all that we do. You see, the foundation for Christian ethics depends not on me. It depends upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what it really depends on. Oliver O'Donovan writes in resurrection and moral order that Christian ethics is grounded not merely in the gift of Christ, but in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So he says, Therefore, any discussion concerning the gospel and its relationship to Christian living, it is the resurrection of Christ that anchors the Christian calling and initiates meaningful service for God. Remember what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, I determine to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, here's the thing. Jesus Christ is crucified, but without the resurrection, the crucifixion loses its meaning. So the resurrection of Christ is what gives us the ethics and the integrity that we need to work with integrity, to work in a way that promotes the gospel of Jesus Christ when we are working especially around people who are pagan and don't know Jesus at all. I remember another occasion where a lady in, our church, or a lady in, in my work was killed in a car accident. And this is when I worked downtown in the insurance company. And they came to me and said, would you have a word of prayer for our department? I said, I would, I would be honored to do that. And we probably had about 80 people in the apartment gather around my cubicle. And I was able to point them to Jesus Christ through that tragedy. So there are many opportunities we have to do this. When people lose a loved one, when they have a new baby when they're going through an illness. Uh, think about the things. They've lost a loved one. What, what are the things that are transpiring in their lives that you can come alongside? Maybe there's somebody in the hospital and you need to go visit them in the hospital because so, you have an opportunity to impact them with the gospel of Jesus Christ through your work. He tells us, in Deuteronomy ten twelve, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? This is what we do in our work. And to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good, behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth with all that is in it. See, the gospel declares that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, is king over all of life. He tells us in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The gospel declares the resurrected Lord as redeemer of all that is seen and unseen. He tells us in Colossians 1, he created everything. Visible, invisible, thrones, powers, dominions, everything God has created. He is preeminent in everything. And through him, he wants to reconcile all things to himself. So when God made good in Genesis 1 and 2, sin did not make it bad in Genesis 3 when it comes to work. So what the gospel demands of the redeemed of the Lord, what does the gospel demand of the redeemed of the Lord? Here's what it demands of us in relationship to our work. And life, it demands that we walk in God's ways. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He says in Psalm 119, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do not wrong, but walk in his ways. And when you read through the Proverbs, you see that word walk and way over and over and over. Proverbs, in the first nine chapters especially, you'll see that the walk of the wicked or the way of the wicked is destructive, dark, and devious. Whereas the way of the righteous is pleasant, peaceful, and protective. The prophets in the Old Testament reprimanded God's people for neglecting the ways of the Lord. John the Baptist came and he said he prepared the way of the Lord. Jesus declares he is the way. Remember, Paul hauled Christians off to prison because if any of them were of the way, and actually the word way there is capitalized, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Why? Because walking the way of Christ is how we're going to be effective in our witness at work. He tells us in Ephesians 4.1, Christians are to live lives worthy of the calling we have received. Think about that for a moment. Christians are to live lives worthy of the calling we have received. So let me ask you a question. What is your calling? What is the calling that God has given you? We all are called to salvation, but then we are called to our specific careers or vocations that God has called us to to live out the reality of that to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Because of the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection, we are set free to bring all of life under submission to his lordship. So there should be a link between the gospel and the way that relates to Christian vocation. The gospel is the good news. He says in Mark 1.15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news has to do with God's kingdom. And that's what God's called us to do. God's way... Directs and shapes every place and time in which we live and makes demands of us. Every time, place, possession, talent, relationship, and opportunity is a gift from the hand of God. So here's some questions to think about Did we create our time? Did we invest ourselves with talent? Did we choose where we would be born and get to build relationships? Did we invent our own opportunities? Did we decide our own intelligence and passions? No, all we have is a gift from our creator. Alexander Scheman says this, All that exists is God's gift to man, and it all exists to make God known to man to make man's life communion with God. It is divine love made food, made life for man. God blesses everything he creates, and in biblical language, this means that he makes all creation the sign and means of his precious wisdom, presence and wisdom, love and revelation, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. A second demand that the gospel makes on us is that we love God and neighbor we walk in his ways and we love God and neighbor loving God with all of our heart means we will love others and this should be the goal of every vocation that we have it doesn't matter what job you have what vocation you have loving others should be what we're doing There was a lady under my supervision when I worked in the insurance business who was not a good worker, and I had a lot of trouble with her I trying to get her to work and had to you know keep prompting her and and so she didn't care very much for me, but she was in a car accident and wound up in the hospital now I was Not a pastor at that time. I was working my way through seminary. And I went and visited her in the hospital. And her whole attitude toward me changed as a result. I prayed with her in the hospital. She wrote me a card. She started working better. Her attitude toward me changed. All because I went and prayed with her in the hospital. So what opportunities has God given you? He's given them to you as well. I think about Jeremiah writing to exiles in Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah admonishes God's covenant people to seek the common good. Here's what he writes in Jeremiah 29.7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. What does that mean? The welfare of a city. What does that entail? Jeremiah is encouraging God's people not to be in an isolated ghetto. He's telling them to get married, have children, get jobs, work, engage in the economic life of the city of Babylon. What kind of city was Babylon? It was thoroughly pagan. Idol worship, gross sin, evil. And God says, in spite of the godless context, I want you to work there for the purpose of making me known. That's what God wants us to do with our jobs, in our work. The English word vocation means calling. It comes from the Latin vocatio, which means calling. We're called in general and specific ways. We are called to be born again and we into the family of God and walk faithfully with God and we're also called as citizens of this heavenly kingdom to love God and to love others. In a specific sense, God calls us to specific roles in God's kingdom and that role is what God has called you to. Whether you're a farmer, a banker, a salesman, a mechanic. It doesn't matter what your job is. Doctor, dentist, uh, whatever your job is, God has called you to that. Maybe you're a student right now. God has called you to that. Are you using that calling to advance the gospel? First, we are called to Christ. Christ. Then we're called in relationship to other callings, to family, to church, community, neighborhood, and occupation. God has called us to that. May we be in prayer about what God is calling us to. I would challenge you to think about names, faces, people that you are rubbing shoulders with, that you have the opportunity to impact with the gospel. Wouldn't it be neat if in 2020 somebody came to Bethesda Church as a result of your witness with the gospel at work, they come under conviction, they experience a life transformation of the gospel because of your testimony? That would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? And that's what God wants for every one of us, is that we impact the world for the cause of Christ. I heard um, recently that we will be having an influx of people into our community over the next 18 months. I am told that there will be 300 plus families coming to Huron area. That means there's going to be a lot of opportunity. 200 Corin families, many other families that will be coming over the next 18 months So I want you to be thinking about the gospel and work. How does God want you to use your job so that when you go to work tomorrow morning, you're not just going to work to get a paycheck, you are actually going to worship God at your work. God wants us to worship him in our work. Maybe it's something as simple as when you sit down in the lunchroom, and you're around other people who are not believers, and you pray over your meal, you're being a testimony for the gospel. It can be very little things, giving a ride to somebody, helping somebody with something for the purpose of sharing the gospel. May God give us a heart to do that. Somebody once said that whenever the church begins to exist only for the benefit of the insiders to the exclusion of the outsiders, that church begins to die. We never need to lose our heart for evangelism and reaching people. And one of the best means of doing that is through our work because that's where we spend our time. So may God help us do that. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just ask you to consider jotting down some names and not just praying about those names, but begin to formulate some ways in your mind and heart that you can build a bridge with someone who needs to hear about Jesus. Maybe you know they got stuff going on in their family Maybe you know they have some kind of addiction they're struggling with or some kind of issue they're struggling with in their life. And you can come alongside of them and say, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I would like to encourage you to maybe consider coming to the church. Take them out for coffee. Get to know them. Let them get to know you and what makes you tick and why we march to the beat of a different drum what God is doing if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin that's the first calling we have is we are called to a relationship with Jesus and if you don't know him I would invite you to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sin and then you can begin to live out the reality of that call in your work for his honor and for his glory if you're a student It might be a fellow student you're reaching out to that needs some encouragement, that needs to be pointed to God. Direct them to the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is Bethesdamb.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.